Well, welcome back to our sermon series, Famous Last Words, as we're taking a look at the seven words that Jesus says from the cross as he died. And to start this message off, I want to show you something. Have any of you ever used one of these before? It's a hands-free hydration water pack. If you're like most people, you probably like to drink water maybe out of like a bottle or like a glass cup. But there are certain people out there that use one of these. Maybe if you're like an extreme bicyclist or a hiker, you might want to be able to keep doing what you're doing and still be able to drink while you're moving. In 1988, there was a man named Michael Eidson, and he was a biker, and he signed up for a race in the middle of summer in Texas for a bike race that's 100 miles long. And as you might imagine, he was a little bit concerned about if he was going to have enough water, if there was enough water stops. So what did he do? Uh, he got one of those drip bags from a hospital, and he put it in a tube sock, and he taped it to his back, and he ran a tube up his back, and voila, hands-free hydration was born. And my guess is you've probably never heard of Michael Eidson before, but maybe you've heard about Camelback water bottles. Camelback water bottles, uh, they're a famous water bottle brand now that lots of athletes use. Uh, They're also the official water bottle of the United States Marines. And the whole reason why I'm telling you this story about Michael Eidson and Camelback water bottles is because I like Camelback water bottles, their advertising slogan. Hydrate or die. Hydrate or die talks about how serious of an issue it is to buy their water bottles. Because if you don't buy their water bottles, if you don't hydrate yourself, you could die. And there are lots of nutritionists out there and doctors who talk about what kind of foods is good for you to eat to have a proper and healthy diet. But every doctor agrees that each person here needs water. You need water. Eight glasses a day, something like that. You need to have water. I don't care how good of an athlete you are. I don't care how good of a Marine you are. If you are dehydrated, you're not going to be able to compete. You will crash and burn. And if you don't have water long enough, like three days, you will die. Hydrate or die. Which leads to the word that Jesus says from the cross today. God's word is, Later knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. All right, let's be honest. Jesus says, I am thirsty. And compare that to the other words that he said so far. It's not that interesting, is it? You know, last week we heard a message about how Jesus said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? and we examined the utter abandonment that he felt. Or maybe you were amazed at the first word that he said, uh, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, as Jesus forgave the very people who were putting uh, nails through his hands and feet. But today, Jesus says, I am thirsty. Do you think Pastor Joel is pulling the senior pastor card and saying, I'll make the vicar preach on this one? (laughs) But really, um, it goes a little deeper than this. It doesn't just say, I am thirsty. Jesus says, I am thirsty, so that scripture 
will be fulfilled. And this is important because throughout the Bible, there's this theme of thirst that runs throughout there. So instead of me just standing up here and saying, all right, everybody, Jesus was thirsty. Sometimes we get thirsty. So go out there and make sure you're hydrated eight glasses a day. It's a lot deeper than this because there's this thirst in the Bible. And first off, there's a thirst that is fulfilled by Jesus, the fact that he was thirsty. In the book of Psalms, uh, it talks about how the Messiah would come and how he would be thirsty. In Psalm 22, it says, my mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. All right, so this was a prophecy written a thousand years before Jesus was even born to talk about that he would be thirsty when he died. And this happened, so scripture prophecy fulfilled. But the idea of thirst, it doesn't just apply to Jesus, it also applies to us. Later in the book of Psalms, it talks about how each one of us has a thirsty heart, how we long for God. In Psalm 63, it says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My body longs for you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So the psalmist here is talking about being abandoned in a dry and hot desert. And that way about how someone who's in a dry and hot desert craves water, that's the way our souls thirst for God. That's how much we long for God. You know what it's like to be really thirsty, and that's how we long for God. Or maybe you've heard a story from the New Testament about how Jesus approached a woman at a well. And this woman was kind of an outcast. She went to the well all by herself. And the reason why is because she had five husbands. You heard me. Five husbands. One, two, three, four, five husbands. And they all left her. So she kind of had a reputation in the town. The women didn't want to be seen talking with her because of her reputation, and, and men didn't want to be with her either because that might ruin their name if they're hanging out with a woman like that. But this woman, uh, Jesus went and talked to her, even though no one else would. And they got to talking, and he asked her for a drink. And she gave it to him, but a little taken back the fact that he was even talking to her. And then Jesus said this, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. So this woman, she had been trying to fulfill these inner thirsts of her heart with men. She thought that a relationship would make her happy. And she tried it again and again and again, and it didn't work. But then Jesus comes to her and says, I got this water where if you drink it, you will never be thirsty again. And this woman lives in a desert climate and has to keep going back to the well. And she thinks, that'd be pretty good. She was expecting some type of like super Gatorade type of drink that will never have to go to the well again. But really, Jesus was talking about fulfilling her inner thirst. Talking about quenching that thirst that she has for God by, by giving herself or giving her the living water that is the forgiveness of sins through Jesus. And this leads to the first point of the day that 
Our bodies crave water, but our hearts are thirsty too. You know what it's like to be thirsty. You know what it's like when you need to get water. Some people say eight glasses a day. But our hearts are thirsty too. And they crave something so much more than that. And this is true for everyone. This is true for the young woman who spends all of her time in front of a mirror. She makes sure she goes to the right stores to buy the right clothes and the right makeup. She constantly goes to the gym and examines her shape in those large mirrors. But why does she do this? It's because she wants a man to call her beautiful. Because then she will feel loved. But why does she do this? It's because she's thirsty. And the same is true for the young man in school. The term perfectionist is thrown at him and they kind of joke about it, but he knows that it's true. Some students are content with getting some average grades here and there, but not for him. He needs to be the best. He needs to make sure that he gets into the right school. He needs to make sure that his grades reflect how smart he is. But why? So that other people know that he's smart? So that his parents can be proud of him? Why? Because he is thirsty. And the same is true for the busy mother. She spends all of her time rushing her kids to this event and that event because she wants her kids to be the best. She wants her kids to have a happy life. But why? Because her children's happiness is directly correlating to her own happiness. Why? Because she is thirsty. And what about the father who spends all of his time trying to get that good job, trying to work hard so he can get the promotion? Why? Because he wants to be a leader because he has that noble goal of providing for his family. He wants to be respected. But why? Because he's thirsty. And what about the elderly? At one point in their life, they felt like they had a purpose, but not so much anymore. Now they sit around and just crave a visitor, someone to talk to, because they feel like that's the thing that will make them happy. But why? Because they are thirsty. The theme of thirst shows up in the Bible in the book of Jeremiah as well. In the book of Jeremiah, um, Israel, God's special people, they're at a pretty low point. Time and time again, they turn their back on God, and Jeremiah has to come and correct them. And one time, he corrects them and talking about how they wrongly try to satisfy their thirst. In the book of Jeremiah, he says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. So Jeremiah talks about how they committed two sins. The first sin was the fact that they turned their back on God, but the second sin was that they tried to fill that void that they now had since they turned their back on God with something else. And he says, seeking out that something else is like trying to get to a broken cistern. A cistern is just something that, a large tank that holds water. But whenever you turn to anything else besides God to fulfill those inner thirsts, it's like you're going to a broken cistern. You're going to be left dry and empty. And I think we're guilty of these two sins as well. For every time we turn our back on God, and we try and turn to something else instead to make us happy besides God, 
which leads to our second point for the day. Outside things will never satisfy an inner thirst. We have these inner longings. We are hardwired for love, joy, acceptance, intimacy, security. But whenever you turn to something in this world, whatever it may be, a relationship, your job, your health, something in this world that you think might make you happy, it's like you're drawing from a broken cistern. You will always be left dry and empty when you try and fulfill your thirst through something outside in this world. That's not how you can fill your inner thirst that you have. So I want you to picture it like this. I want you to imagine that your heart is a funnel. Your heart is like this funnel that you have inside of you. And what you pour into it is something that you think will make you happy, whatever that thing may be. Uh, Here's a list of common things that people think might make them happy. Just uh, uh, maybe it'll be your family. I mean, that sounds good, right? People talk about how great family is. Uh, What about your career or alcohol or like a party lifestyle? Or you tell yourself that if I just get in that right romantic relationship, if I find the right partner, then I will be happy. Or beauty, whether it's trying to make yourself beautiful or simply trying to surround yourself by someone beautiful. And then the common cause that a lot of people struggle with is money. So you take these things, Something on this list jumps out to you. Something on this list says, if you get me, then you'll be happy. But the thing is, when you draw from these, these things, it's like you're pouring water down a funnel. It's like you're pouring water down a funnel. For a while, it may fill you up. You may feel happy for a while. But just as soon as you have it and you feel happy, then it's gone. And you're on to the next thing just like that. Outside things will never satisfy you. You can't fulfill the desire of your heart with these things. And if you want proof of this, just ask Jim Carrey. Have you heard of Jim Carrey before? Uh, He's the famous slapstick comedian from the early 90s and early 2000s. And it may seem like Jim Carrey has a great life, but it wasn't always that way. Jim Carrey was born in Ontario, and he kind of had a rough family background. His father was a struggling musician uh, who got fired, so he wasn't bringing much money to the table. And his mother had this illness, and the illness prevented her from working. So at the age of 15, Jim Carrey signed up to be a janitor so that he could bring some money to the table to help provide for his family. And at one point in his life, Obviously, you can't see a 15-year-old providing for a family. They end up losing their house and having to live out of a van. Things got pretty low. But eventually, in his teenage years as well, he began doing stand-up comedy. And that's how he got his foot in the door with comedy, and he was discovered. And since then, he's made 40 movies. I mean, only a couple of them are good, but he's made 40 movies. Um, made His net worth is around $150 million dollars. Uh, he lives in a mansion, has, has had many different wives and divorces and all that. He's got everything that he could ever dream of. And at this point of his life, about a year ago, where he has everything he could dream of, he said this. He said, I hope everybody could get rich and famous and get everything they ever dreamed of so they will know that it's not the answer.
At a young age, Jim Carrey was thirsty. He just wanted a normal life. He wanted to make some money to get by, to provide for his family. He didn't want to be at such a low position. And he was thirsty. He was thirsty for that life. But then he got everything he dreamed of. He got a successful career. He made 40 different movies. He lived in a mansion. And yet, he's telling us, he's still thirsty. He knows what it's like to live in a van, and he knows what it's like to live in a mansion. And he knows what it's like to be a janitor, and he also knows what it's like to have a famous movie career. And what he's saying is that these things don't make you happy. And you might be thinking to yourself, ah, poor Jim Carrey, that must be so hard to be rich and famous. But celebrity thirsts are not that different than middle class thirsts. You might not tell yourself, I want to make $150 million, but you might tell yourself, if I just have just a little bit more money, then I will be happy. You might not be trying to live in a giant mansion, but you just want to be able to afford your house in Mississauga. And if you can do that, then you will be happy. You might not need to be in 40 different movies, but you just want a nice career. You want to be respected by the people who know you. And you tell yourself that once you get that, then you will be happy. But brothers and sisters in Christ, you are thirsty. These middle-class thirsts are just as dangerous as celebrity thirsts. Maybe the reason why God isn't giving you that thing that you want is because he knows that if you get it, it won't make you happy. Maybe that thing that you keep praying about, that, you'd, that the prayer that goes unanswered, maybe you'll still be thirsty afterwards. So God doesn't give it to you. So instead of constantly turning to the wrong thing, God wants you to know what will truly satisfy all of your thirsts. And that leads to point number three. Jesus died so you could be hydrated. Jesus died so you could be hydrated. From the cross, Jesus said, I am thirsty. But what led to that? Well, for point being, for 18 hours, Jesus didn't have any water. 18 hours before he was put on the cross, he was able to be with his disciples in an upper room where he was able to eat and drink. Uh, but after that, he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane, where it says he prayed so hard that sweats, or sweat drops like drops of blood ran down from his face, and he began to lose water. And then after that, Jesus stood on trial, and on trial they had him flogged. And while he was flogged, he was whipped in his back, and blood and sweat and moisture was torn out of his body. After that, a crown of thorns was placed on his head, and more blood and liquids oozed onto his brow. And then after that, he was forced to carry his own cross. Most people think that the cross weighed roughly around 100 pounds. So he had to lunge that cross for quite a distance to the point where he would be crucified. And then, once he was nailed to the cross, he hung on it for six hours. Six more hours of losing liquids and being thirsty and not having those liquids replaced. Jesus was thirsty. But when given the option between hydrate or die, Jesus chose the latter. Jesus chose to die so that we could be hydrated. 
Jesus fulfilled the, the scripture about thirst and he became thirsty himself. And Jesus eventually, after he fulfilled all the rest of the scriptures, he got a drink. They had a sponge lifted up to him, to his mouth. It wasn't enough to replace all the liquids that he lost. It was just enough to wet his mouth. It wetted his mouth uh, just enough so that he could say the next word from the cross that we'll hear on Good Friday. He didn't replace all of his liquids. When given the option between hydrate or die, Jesus died. Jesus endured scorching thirst so that he could become the living water for all of us to drink from. Jesus went thirsty so that we would never have to be thirsty again. Point number four. Or, or, yeah. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the desires of your heart. Jesus is the only one, the only thing, the only thing that can ever satisfy those inner thirsts and desires that we have. And this is true for all of us. To the young woman who constantly looks at her body, Jesus says, you are more beautiful than you ever could imagine because you are with sin and you are holy. You are my own dear child. To the thirsty perfectionist, he says, I have done it all already for you. It is finished. You are perfect in my eyes. To the busy mother, he says, you are enough. You are enough. I am taking care of your family, and you are part of my family now, which is bigger than anything you could ever dream of. And to the Father, he says, you are my strength and my shield. I am the one who's providing for you. I will take care of you and your family better than you ever could. To the alcoholic, to the addict, he says, you don't need to indulge in that behavior anymore because I am the one who can give you better than anything else that you could ever try and turn to. And to the elderly, he says, I am with you. Other relationships are great, but I am with you. Keep your eyes on your new home that you're about to go to, where it will be better than anything else this world has to offer. Jesus is the only one who can satisfy the desires of your heart. But maybe you're still thinking to yourself, what if I just got a little bit more? What if my life right now just got a little bit better, then I think I would be happy. Well, let's ask Tom Brady. You know Tom Brady? He's the uh, now five-time Super Bowl winning quarterback for the New England Patriots. And ladies, I'll have to take your word for it, but some people think that Tom Brady is an attractive man. Uh, he made the cover of GQ magazine, and he married Giselle, who is a Brazilian supermodel. They live in a $13 million home in LA, and they have a $20 million condo in New York. Do you think that Tom Brady is satisfied? Well, guys, let me ask you this. If you were a starting quarterback in the NFL and married to a Brazilian supermodel, do you think that you would be happy? I see the guy in the back shake his head. No, honey, that would not make me happy. Good answer. But a couple years ago, uh, 60 interviews 60 Minutes interviewed Tom Brady, and in this interview, Tom Brady said, why is it that after I've won so many titles, I still feel like there's something else more out there for me? And the interviewer asked him, well, what do you think it is? 
And Tom Brady said, I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we know. We know the thing that will satisfy his thirst. We know what it is. We know who the person is that can satisfy any thirst that any person has. If I asked you the most important question you'll ever be asked, which is, if you died today, why should you go to heaven? Why should God let you in? You know that answer. It's Jesus. But what if I asked you this one? What is the only thing that will make you satisfied today? And it's the same answer. Jesus. And at Cross of Life through the last seven months, uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to come here every week and share with you the living water. But my guess is, you know some thirsty people. You know some people who keep turning to the wrong thing to try and satisfy their thirst. So my encouragement to you is, show them the well. Bring them to the well of living water where they will never be thirsty again. And I know during this time, this time, the church year of Lent, we spend a lot of time looking at Jesus on the cross as he is beaten and bruised and bloody on a cross. But Jesus will come back. And the second time he comes back, he will come as a king. So I want you to imagine right now that your king is coming back to you. And in the last chapter of Revelations, this king has some words for you. And they have to do with your thirst. So when your king comes back, I want you to picture him saying this. It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty, I will give from the spring of water of life without spirit or without payment. The spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. Brothers and sisters in Christ, come and drink from the living water. Amen.